Jerry, I think attitude is like quality. You only know there's a problem when it's missing. You know, you buy a car you think you've paid good money for and that should last a long time or be reliable and it constantly breaks down. You're like, this thing's a piece of garbage, right? Poor quality. It's a lot harder to define what good quality is. It's a lot easier to define what bad quality is. You notice it when you don't have it. I think attitude is like that as well. We point it out in our children all the time, right? Young man, change your attitude. We talk about that with our employees all the time. You need to have a better attitude. I sometimes wonder if our culture places way too much emphasis on attitude. Maybe there's something more important than just attitude. It can mean a lot of different things. I mean, I'm not just talking about someone's feeling or thoughts. I think it goes beyond that. It's To me, attitude is more just about your orientation or your posture towards something. And it reveals something that's, I think, far more important and deeper. I think we place too much emphasis in our society and as leaders on how it appears that people think or what their outward emotion or posture is towards things, we don't really spend a lot of time diving in on what's inside. You know, it's interesting. If you do want to change your posture towards something, it's, I think, pretty settled now. Just like we know from Scripture, we know from psychology and cognitive sciences, you change your behavior first heard me say before that your faith is just what you rely upon to be true such that you act according to it. We know from a Judeo-Christian worldview that if you want to be and feel more loving towards a person, you act more loving to them. What does a marriage counselor do, or a good one should do, if you come to them with a problem in your marriage, he or she is going to encourage you to act more lovingly towards your spouse and Studies have shown that irrespective of the the other spouse's response to that, you're going to feel more in love with them just by acting more loving towards them. Love being participating, interacting with them, doing good to them. Right? And so if you believe that that works, right, you have faith that that works, and you, you act upon that as if that is true, it's going to change your attitude and orientation towards that person. I think that principle is true of everything in life. Most of Paul's exhortations on this subject in his epistles say the same thing. Transform your mind first. Renew your mind. It transforms your life. There's so many things that the Bible says, both in Proverbs and other places, that remind us that you choose your action first. You choose the kind of person you're going to be. Your feelings, your orientation later will follow because we deal with that whole divided self and that inner war, right, between the old self, new self, spirit, flesh, that kind of stuff. Well, everybody's dealing with that. And they're working out in their own world what the good life should be. And so when we approach them and it appears they have a quote-unquote bad attitude, it's simply revealing that there, there's something wrong that they've decided upon as what will make their life good, whether it's laziness or complaining or blame or accusation or self-hatred or resentment or jealousy or whatever it is, right? That, that keeps them from acting in a way that would be far more constructive 
to that arena of life. And so just like David Sandler teaches in his behavior attitude triangle approach to improving how you feel about yourself in your role performance, he always starts with behavior. Give yourself a new set of behaviors first. And give yourself what are called IR goals. I can't go into that here, but it's essentially you make a statement of how you're going to feel about yourself when you do the certain behavior. So when I do new behavior X, this is how I'm going to feel about myself. And you do that iteratively over and over and over again. And then you add improved technique to that. So this could be in some role performance area in sports, business, in a relationship, doesn't matter. You then begin to add better techniques. So you start doing better behaviors and you start improving on your technique in that behavior. And oh, by the way, what then begins to follow? Your attitude starts to improve about yourself and that whole activity. You begin to feel better about yourself. You begin to see yourself differently conceptually, and then it becomes self-reinforcing because people will tend to behave in any role or any arena in accordance with how they see themselves conceptually. So this whole idea of how we raise children in our modern society where we focus first on their self-esteem, which is essentially their attitude about themselves, is totally wrong. What we need to be doing is like we did in the old world where we focused on behavior and competence at certain behavior, right? So that's behavior and technique. Builds competence, which builds confidence, which builds self-worth. That's how you improve their attitude. Incidentally, this is also how you attack depression in people. Normal depression, not the chemical form or physiological form, right? Seligman discovered this back in the 60s, which became the basis of cognitive therapy that so many counselors, psychologists, and psychiatrists use to treat normal depression today. has to do with your explanatory style, right? How you see the world. In other words, how you perceive you're situated relative to a situation or other people. That's kind of the definition of attitude, isn't it? Right? I mean, we say attitude of an aircraft, it's, it's position relative to the ground. Where is it at? And so your perception of What's really true about your life and your explanation of it means everything in terms of how you see yourself conceptually, how you feel about yourself, and how you're going to perform. So to me, I don't worry a lot about attitude. I don't necessarily worry about uh, do my folks have a good one or a bad one. What I want to look further into is, well, what does that reveal? And if we want to improve attitude, we have to attack its underlying causes, and that is really at the language of the heart. What do you love? What have you placed your faith and trust in? And the last one, like, what do you hope for? Like, how do you see yourself in the future? What is it you're trying to attain in life? What you genuinely hope for? That frames a lot of your actions today. Most people are unaware of this conversation that's going on within them. They don't spend a lot of time. They're not introspective enough to really dive deep and, and figure out what's really operating within them. But when you do that, you begin to find out, hey, this is what you're really pursuing. This is maybe how you've been deceived and what you think will make your life good, but that's not. And if you can begin to point that out, change your choices and behavior set, 
then as they begin to do that set of behaviors, or even do this with yourself, you then begin to work on better technique in doing those behaviors. The attitude just naturally follows. You never have to talk about it. You never have to address it. So you address it, I guess tangentially would be the best way to describe it, indirectly. It's a symptom, not a cause. And I think too many people are too worried about being inspired first, and then somehow that will motivate them to change your life. It never works that way. Inspiration is so transient, man. It's fleeting. It never lasts. You go to a treat. You go to a conference. You're all jazzed up. And then you wonder why whatever that subject was about didn't inspire long-term change in your lives because you attacked it from the wrong side. You attacked it from attitude, not behavior. So I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, helpful to you or what you wanted to use, but that's Don Kennedy's view on attitude.